Good morning. Or as Joshua said to me earlier, happy Advent. <laughs> Today we do begin the Advent season, and it's a particularly wonderful time. Before I, uh, well actually I was want to say, look Ma, no boot. <laughs> and that also means for those of you who felt your life was in your hand in the hallways, I don't have the scooter right now either. <laughs> of course, as I often said, if you don't like the way I drive, stay off the sidewalk. <laughs> but uh, I do thank the Lord for his healing grace and power. And uh, so for at least a couple of weeks, we're trying it out and see how things go. And I just do thank the Lord that he does provide for our needs, and, and he sustains us through all of our afflictions. And I just thank him. Well, before I begin this morning, <clears throat> I have something special that I would like to, to share with you. The other, day, the other day, I was working on flooring in our family room, and the movie Annie came on. Remember that one from back in the 80s, the musical? Well, I only, only saw part of it, but there was this one scene where Miss Hannigan was especially frustrated with the orphan girls that were in her charge. And in, exasper- and in exasperation, she said, why any kid would want to be an orphan is beyond me. <laughs> well, indeed, why would anyone want to be an orphan? Well, the fact is, nobody does. But yet there are millions of kids today who are without one or both of their parents. In Ethiopia alone, there are more than six million orphans. In countries around the world, children are abandoned, sold, abused, and cast aside. They lose their parents to war, disease, famine, poverty, or they're just simply unwanted. On November 7th, churches across the country recognized the plight of orphans. Today, we pause to remember those who have no one to care for them. And in in that process, we also want to seek God's mercy and justice in their lives. Isaiah 117 reminds us to learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Now last year, many of us began sponsorships of orphans in an orphanage and drop-in center in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And we really wanted to be able to do something to make a difference in these kids' lives, to be sure that they have food and, and shelter and medical care and education. I'm very happy to report that all of the kids in the orphanage and the drop-in center have sponsors. And so we are thankful for all of you who are taking part in that. And uh, Diane Narocco tells me that uh, Hope for the Hopeless also has a foster care program that they administered in the area in and around Addis Ababa. And they have several hundred children that are involved in this foster care program. And if you would like to get more information uh, on that or how to be a part of that, uh, we do have a paper out at the information desk. You can put your con- name and contact information, and Diane will get with you. <coughs> Excuse me. Many of our 
uh, families in our, in, our, in our church have already adopted kids from the U.S. and from several countries, included, including Ethiopia and China and Russia and Honduras and many others. Zena and Gannett Niratko became part of the Niratko family about two and a half years ago. They came to us from an orphanage in Ethiopia. And over these past couple of years, it has been such a great pleasure to get to know them and watch them grow. And as they have assimilated so well, um, not just as becoming part of the Niratko family, but also the FAC body and the family here in our church. And those of you who know them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, they're going to come now and share with us a gift of song to help us to, to celebrate this Advent season. There's hungry. They've got angels, snowmen, reindeer, run a tree. It's kind of empty, cause without Jesus, you never understand, you never know the heart of Christmas. A plastic Santa, blasting window panes, a snowman driver lined with candy cane. It's kind of funny, it's kind of fake. If it's only glaze and tinsel, it's a meaningless this way. It's like a present with no gift inside. It's like a Christmas card no one cares to sign. I'm sure I've done it from time to time. I've polished out the service, but now what I see inside. Lord, this is my Christmas prayer. Tell me what's up, poor people, people everywhere. And all I say, and all I do, would you look at me, I wanted to see you. It's like a present with no gifts inside. It's like a Christmas card, no one cares to sign. I'm sure I've done it from time to time. I've always shot the service, but now I see Inside, they've strung a light, they've hung the wreaths, they've got angels, snowmen, reindeer on the tree. It's kind of empty, cause without Jesus, you never understand, you never know the heart of Christmas. Thank you, girls. That was marvelous. Really great blessing. After the first service, Mom said, well, you get to do it again the second hour. <laughs> we appreciate them sharing. The scripture I'd like to share with you this morning is from the 13th chapter of Hebrews. I'll be reading the first six verses. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison, as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, 
and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? May God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. A young boy was telling his parents about what he had learned in Sunday school during a Christmas season. He carefully described the nativity scene. He began with, of course, the manger with the little baby Jesus in it, and Mary and Joseph adoring the baby, and included the, the cows and the sheep and the shepherds there, and even described a little shepherd boy who was kneeling by the manger. And then he pointed to two figures up above the manger scene. And he said, this is Hark and Harold. They're the singing angels. (laughs) Well, we're going to be seeing and hearing a lot of that over the next several weeks uh, as we do prepare our hearts for celebrating the Advent season. And today... On this first Sunday of Advent, it is a time when we get, begin to turn our thoughts and our attention to uh, that, that time of preparation where we look at the event that split human history into two separate time periods. Now, we spend these four Sundays of Advent reflecting on the purpose and the meaning of God becoming one of us, of God actually dwelling among us, God becoming man. Now, there are several approaches that we could take because there are many aspects to Advent and Christmas, and there are a lot of ways that you can look at it. But this year, we're going to come at the Christmas season from a little different angle, and we are going to be taking a look at how our lives are directly impacted by what is called the most joyous time of the year. Now, I would dare say that there are few of us who have not read or at least heard of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. Now, many of us, I'm sure, have seen at least one of several film adaptations of this story. And over the, through the next month, if you've not seen it, just turn your TV on and you're going to be seeing it or Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> One of the three will almost be on constantly. But in this story of A Christmas Carol, I'm sure we remember well the lines, Christmas, bah humbug, and God bless us, everyone. We are familiar with the key players in the story, Ebenezer Scrooge, Bob Cratchit, Tiny Tim, and of course the the spirits of Christmas's past, present, and future. Now, during our Advent journey, we are going to <clears throat> look, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at Christmas past and the materialism that has become such a central theme of Christmas time. Is anybody out about Friday? <laughs> uh, Christmas present 
and the busyness with which we are all too familiar. What's your December calendar look right look like already? And of course, we'll uh, wind it up with that Christmas future with that haunting question: Christmas lost? But today we are going to be looking at the story as a whole and how many people feel, I'm sure, like Ebenezer Scrooge did, uh, a very deep and dark sense of loneliness. You see, for Scrooge, it was pretty much of a self-imposed exile from human fellowship. Now, as a young man, Scrooge was in love, and he was engaged to a, a very beautiful and loving young woman named Belle. But Belle soon realized, though, that her dashing Ebenezer had another love in his life. Now, it wasn't another woman that he was uh, so torn with, but she saw that it was money and fortune to which he, or at least the pursuit of the money and fortune, fortune that he had given his life. Now, she knew that she could not compete with such a captivating mistress. So she confronted him one day, and she issued Scrooge an ultimatum. Now, the love of her life was was forced to choose between his lovely fiancée, Belle, and his fortune. Now, he, of course, protested that all he was trying to do was to establish a secure future for both of them so that they wouldn't have to worry about the provisions of life and so that they could enjoy life together. But, alas, she knew in in her heart that the pursuit of wealth would always be the top priority for Ebenezer Scrooge. So sadly, Ebenezer chose his riches, riches and the never-ending pursuit of fortune. So with a heavy heart, Belle returned the ring to Ebenezer, and she set him free so that he could pursue the real love of his heart. It probably didn't take long to realize that Scrooge had made a bad decision. He knew he'd chosen wrongly. And remember in this scene, uh, the one, the version that had George C. Scott in it, he was telling the spirit of Christmas past. He said, you know, I almost went after her. And the spirit replied, almost doesn't count in matters of the heart. But in that, from that point on, Scrooge began to find that he, his life was, this world was just kind of closing in around him. And he likely came to hate the world and everyone around him. I'm sure he, Scrooge hated the uh, reminders of his isolation. And of course, his reaction to that would further drive people away. His ba humbug probably wasn't likely so much a protest against Christmas. But I think it was, it was rather 
an expression of loathing his now lonely condition. Now, Scrooge did love his, well, his money and his fortune, but I think he also realized that his silver and gold could, I mean, while it could buy the, the tangible things of this world, it could provide him with all the creature comforts that you can purchase. He still realized that his money could not fill the emptiness, the void that was present in his heart. So through these visitations, through the, the Christmas past, present, and future, Scrooge was shown how time and again he had actually hardened his heart against those in his life who actually cared about him. And his young nephew, Fred, who said, well, like it or not, every year I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas. But he kept pushing and pushing and shutting people out of his life. And finally, he came to the stark realization of his isolation. And in a moment of deep reflection, he asked himself the question, what have I done to be abandoned like this? Now, of course, Scrooge knew the meaning of loneliness very intimately. And today, there are many who also know isolation and loneliness. Now, perhaps we've all felt alone at one time or another. We've all probably faced periods in our life when, even if it wasn't true, we felt that, well, nobody really cares. Would anybody even come to my funeral if I were to die? We can feel cut off from the very meaningful relationships in our lives and makes us feel alone in the world. And of course then, the commercialization of Christmas makes it all the worse because it's in your face. It's constant. And not just on TV, but billboards. When you go into a store, Christmas is all around and there's a reminder of what the perception of Christmas is about. We see the ads that show happy families together for the holidays. They're having the best day of the year. There's not a care in the world. They're enjoying each other's company. Everything is fine with them, and it's just a wonderful time to be together. They are with those that they love and those that love them. But sadly, this is not the reality for many of us. During the holiday season, they will be alone. They will be hurting. They will be depressed. And so the holidays can only seem to magnify those feelings of emotional pain that people live with every day. But it just intensifies at Christmas time. Maybe it is because that commercialization, the commercialism of Christmas begins in October. Some stores you go into September, they've already started getting Christmas items out, and you're thinking, what's with this? <laughs> but it, everywhere you turn, it's that constant reminder of what's going on. And they depict these perfect families. They preach that message that Christmas is all about family and being with those that you love. But if that is what the season is all about, then what do you say to the widow who just lost her husband 
to cancer or to the orphan who has no family? What about the couple that has just divorced and, of course, the kids are caught in the middle? What about those in prison and their loved ones who will have to spend another Thanksgiving and Christmas season without them? So we know very well that we live in a broken world. There's so much around us that it just really hurts to see what's happening. But a lot of, for a lot of people, Christmas is the worst time of the year because it only points out how alone they really are. Now, suicides are at an all-time high during the holidays, especially Christmas. Loneliness is such a deep darkness that there seems to be no escape or recovery for man. And rather than face another holiday season alone, they say, I can't do this again. I cannot continue like this. And so then they make the decision, the choice to end their own life. Now, have you ever been in a cave alone? <laughs> I always enjoyed spelunking. And in camping days, you know, we'd take campers into the caves and uh, sometimes I, we'd get back into the area and one group of campers would go out and a new one would come in and I'd be waiting on the inside during that interchange period and so I'd be alone there. And just for the effect, you know, turn the light out. You ever been in that kind of a situation? I'd say try it, but I don't know if you'd want to. But you turn off that light and you are plunged into a total darkness. And there is no perception of light other than residual impulses bouncing around in your retina. There's no sound except for that of your own breathing and the occasional drip of water somewhere. And contrary to myth and legend, you don't hear bats squeaking way back in the middle of the cave. <laughs> but you can start to feel the anxiety begin to rise if you allow yourself to entertain that thought that invariably sneaks in. What if my batteries die and my flashlight is not going to work? I mean, you know you cannot remember all of the turns and the climbs that you made on your way into that cave. And, and then you realize that in that darkness, that absolute darkness, you are truly, truly alone and lost. And that if no one came looking for you, how in the world would you ever get out? And so without any light to find your way out, what began as a period of quiet and cool solitude can quickly become terrifying panic. But you take your light and you flip the switch and the light comes on. <laughs> Floods the cavern with light and you can see the passageway that you use to, to get in to the cave and that peacefulness returns. You see that passage and you know that all is well. And as you work your way back out, you see that little point of light from the entrance that grows as you get closer to it. And you know that, yeah, I'm going to make it out. Turn around and bring the next group in. Now I suppose that 
there are many, though, who experience the isolation of Christmas can probably very much relate to that kind of a deep cave experience and feeling. There's no light. There's no direction. There's no hope. I can't tell which way to go. I don't know which way to go. Maybe the farther I go, the more lost I'll be. So there's a depth to their loneliness that even when they are among the crowded masses in the mall, they still feel very much alone. And there's a sense that no one cares. And maybe no one would care if they disappeared right at that moment. Now the reality is that there probably are those who care. But the perception of aloneness is a reality that many people live this Christmas and every day of their life. But there is a greater reality, though, in the message of Christmas. And that is where I want us to place our focus this morning. The great message in this Christmas season is that even in our misery, even in our loneliness, even in our sense of isolation, there is hope. Because we can come to realize that we are not alone any longer. Jesus is our friend, our brother, and he is the answer to loneliness. Now last week, Mark Harris used for his text the 23rd Psalm. And I think it's an appropriate scripture for us to keep in mind as we go through these next 27 days. God cares for us, and he keeps us. He provides for us. He's actually all that we need. Even when we are face to face with our enemies, and we are walking through the darkness of the valley, even of the shadow of death, there's nothing to be afraid of. Because we know that God is with us. He is our protector, our defender, and our friend. Yes, Christmas is all about hope. And because we have hope, we can share that hope with others who also suffer. Now, I think that Scrooge had his turning moment when he realized that we are not islands unto ourselves. I mean, he was all about business. Business to transact. If I have no business in this place, why would I go there? If I have no business with these people, why would I even waste my time with them? But through the experiences of that dream time, He came to acknowledge and understand that our business is with those who are suffering, with those who are hurting and in need. He learned that the true meaning and joy of Christmas is not in the gold that you can count, but it's in seeing and reaching out beyond himself. Christmas is about giving. Because God gave us the greatest gift of all, his son. He gave us 
He gave it freely because He loves us. He gave us that gift of His Son and the real message of Christmas, though, is not really found in the babe in the manger. The message of Christmas is not in that babe in the manger, but it is the Christ on the cross. It is not the manger where we are to kneel, but it's at the foot of the cross where we are to kneel. To acknowledge this, not only God's sovereignty, but to acknowledge the own, our own sinfulness and our loneliness and our hurts and our pains in our life. And as he tells us in First Peter that we cast all of our cares there at that point. Cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. But it's on that cross that Jesus was nailed. He was crucified so that he could bear upon himself our sorrows and our hurts and our sins. It's through the encounter with the cross, though, that we can realize that life is not about me. And that's probably one of the hardest lessons that we have to learn in life. Life is not about me. It's really about Jesus and how he in turn lives through each and every one of us who call ourselves his followers, his disciples. Now loneliness, I think, is really the culmination of self-focus. Maybe you are alone in this world, but you do not have to be lonely. Because we actually really are never alone. Emmanuel, a name for Jesus, means God with us. Emmanuel is the joy of Christmas, that glorious message that indeed God is with us. And so if you happen to be one of the fortunate people this holiday season that is surrounded by loved ones, I would suggest that in addition to enjoying that time of family, you also look around and open your family and your experience up to someone who will be alone during the holidays. There are many ways of helping people. And instead of just giving money, instead of just giving things, give of your time so that some hurting soul and feel a little love this Christmas season. Now, if you are one of the hurting, lonely people in the world, what can you do to make this Christmas season a little more bearable? First, remember the true meaning and reason of Christmas. Jesus was born, of course, for the hurting, the lonely, the broken world. Christmas is not really about family or Santa or presents or all the things that we have attached to it. Now, of course, these things are fun and meaningful to us. They really make the season brighter and enjoyable. But we've got to remember, though, that they can very easily become a distraction for what Christmas really means. 
Secondly, remember that Jesus came to this earth, as I said, not for the manger, but for the cross. It was through the cross that your sins are forgiven and your loneliness and your separation from God is actually ended. Spiritual death is actually separation from God. Death means separation. When we are spiritually dead, we are separated from Him. But because of the cross, that is ended. The reconciliation is made. And we can be in His family. Finally, give back this Christmas. Find somewhere where you can be of someone, where you can be in service to someone who is is actually worse off life condition of what you are. Let them know that they are not alone and that someone really actually does care for them. You can volunteer your time to serve the homeless at the city mission. Or you can help with, uh, with gifting efforts for needy kids or meals serving meals at one of the shelters or kitchens here in the city. Now, this may seem like a difficult effort, but it can really be rewarding with just a little effort. Christmas is about giving, but it's also about receiving. I hope that you wouldn't need startling revelation or nighttime visitation to get your attention that you need a Savior. Because you can make that choice and that decision even right now at this moment. You don't have to go out and straighten up and clean up your life and do a lot of good things to find favor with God. He takes us just as we are. Because of what he accomplished, he paid the price, and all we have to do is accept and receive that. So even this moment, before you leave this place of worship, you can simply make that prayer and say, God, I'm lonely, I'm hurting, my life is a wreck, it's a disaster, but I want to give all of that awfulness to you. I want you to take it. I want you to forgive me of sin, and I want you to make me new, and I don't want to be alone again. I want you in my life as my friend and my friend. We can begin this Advent season in a celebration of God with us by receiving that gift of life that Christ has purchased for all of us on the cross. Now, if you're already a believer, but you're feeling the pain of loneliness, you can embrace your friend and Savior, Jesus. And and then through that grace that he imparts, you can then reach out to someone around you and share that love. In his grace. But for all of us, as we go through this Advent season of preparation, and then through that season of celebration of Christmas, may our hearts be free of the attitude of bah humbug, but rather sharing the joy of God bless us, everyone.
Father, in the quietness and the stillness of these moments, as we are reminded that even though life has taken a bad turn for us, or maybe we've made some really bad choices, some wrong decisions, we've really messed things up. But even in spite of everything that has gone wrong in our life and maybe has resulted in some of us feeling so very alone and isolated, Lord, we just pause to remember that because of what you've accomplished for us on that cross, that you take it all away. That all we have to do is just hand it over to you and receive that life-giving grace that you freely give. So this morning, Lord, I do especially pray for any in, in our midst who are facing another holiday season alone and especially feeling lonely. I just pray that you would speak through your Holy Spirit to that heart with a reminder that I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never leave you alone. That they may reach out and embrace the love of your Savior. And for all of us, Father, that the challenge of your Spirit would be upon us, that this can be a meaningful Christmas season. As we go through our traditions and everything that goes with the season, Lord, may we not lose sight of what it's really all about. It's about the giving that you did through your son Jesus. It's also about the receiving that we enjoy because of the, your grace and your Holy Spirit in our life. Father, we just love you and we rejoice in Jesus. Emmanuel, God is with you.